another week in comedy and tonight we're talking to two crowd killers from the new york scene to the canadian west it's their take on comedy in a covid world their biggest influences and sadly the comedy giants we've said goodbye to this year i'm dean young and we're about to go inside the joke Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And of course, as always, streaming coast-to-coast, Canada-wide, North America-wide, planet Earth-wide on the Global News Radio Network. And of course, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, because the world is stuck in 2020 and your vision can be too. Uh, Kind of a mixed bag this week. Of course, we are heading into a new year of comedy Kicked off the new year, the new season last week, talking about will things reopen? Where will things reopen? Will festivals come back? When will clubs come back? Because it's kind of like a one step forward, two steps back. Uh, So we're weighing in with a comic in New York, formerly from Toronto, and shooting back out to the West Coast uh, and checking out the Calgary scene and seeing what they think is going to come up there in the new year. Uh, But of course, we have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the show. Uh, Vince, it is kind of a mixed bag, though, because... Once again, this week, we did very sadly lose yet another comedy icon, another absolute giant in the comedy world. Bob Saget passed uh, this past week. Um, It's sort of that weird old adage. They always say these things come in threes, right? They always say that about celebrity deaths and all that. You always hear it and you go, okay, whatever. Uh, But really, in the past few months, said goodbye to Norm Macdonald. Obviously, a massive loss for comedy and especially felt here at home in Canada. Then, of course, Betty White. Just shy of 100, we say goodbye to Betty White just last week. Uh, one of the most influential people ever in the entertainment business, I would say. And now Bob Saget, Vince, who I would call America's dirtiest dad. Uh, Bob was interesting because, of course, you know, a lot of people grew up watching him on Full House, which was quite possibly the squeakiest clean sitcom of all time, even before the nauseating sequel, uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. So we knew him as sort of this kind of, wholesome white bread America's dad kind of a guy but what people a lot of people who grew up watching him on tv didn't realize was he was this comics comic who was known as one of the filthiest dudes to ever take the stage he was an absolute maniac on stage he was such a two-sided coin yeah it's uh it, it it's the shock almost because we didn't no one ever expected norm mcdonald and boom you hear the news uh, I mean, 99 is a great age to live to. No one's denying that, but Betty White seemed invincible. So that was, you know, kind of it was due. I mean, yeah, she wasn't going to live forever. But then, you know, on New Year's Eve is when the news broke. And then literally a week ago today, tonight is when uh, the Bob Saget news broke. 65 years old, no cause of death yet Yeah, uh, has been released. But uh, yeah. 
it's just a gut punch. It, it, it was a gut punch. And I mean, yeah, even with the Betty White thing, it was sort of like, what a kick in the pants. Cause literally they were promoting this huge special they were doing for her 100th birthday and all these, this massive lineup and all that. And it's like just shy of her 100th birthday. It was almost as if 2021 had to sort of squeeze in one more middle finger to everybody. Yeah, just one um, more at you. One more at you. And then, yeah, Bob Saget, you know, I mean, that was a shocker. That came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel did a very emotional tribute to him on the air. That's, an, again, he was a comics comic. He was kind of like Norm. And those two themselves were great friends and worked together. Norm, yeah. of course, did that legendary set on the Bob Saget roast where he deliberately did the most hack jokes that he can that he could of dig course. up and, and, was, and he also ended off on a sweet note too didn't they film dirty work Bob Saget they filmed dirty work Toronto. together in Toronto right when that they filmed dirty work together in Toronto yeah. uh Boyd Banks one of our own here in Toronto was was a part of that as well um so yeah like I said I hate that whole hack cliche thing of these things come in threes but this year for the comedy world Apparently it does, and it's certainly everybody's feeling it. Anyways, we're going to find out what's happening in New York, what's happening in Calgary, and pick everybody's brains on these giants we've lost and who some of their biggest influences are. Brought to you, of course, by Hakeem Optical, helping you eye roll so hard at this absolute garbage fire we're all endlessly trapped in. I, I'm kind of, these pandemic plugs have been going on for so long, they're kind of, uh, I'm kind of warming up to them finally, and it doesn't feel like they're going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, anyways, we have... Like I said, a little East Coast, West Coast on the panel tonight. First up, old friend of mine I haven't seen in a few years, the stand-up scene here in Toronto, now based out of New York. We have Carol Zaccoli. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, Dean. I'm great. How about you? I mean, where, I'm, great. Where, I'm good. I'm good. I'm not going to be great. Yeah, you must be good because, we, you know, you're in New York right now. Of course, we've all been in the same pandemic, but, you know, you came to, to the Toronto stand-up scene. You cut your teeth here before making the jump to New York. Uh, yeah. Now, of course, here in Toronto, everything is closed. <laughs> so you made, yeah. you made the right choice. I wanted to ask, though, I mean, it's been, a, it's been, and of course, everything changes on a dime right now. It feels like every week something reopens and then that closes again, and it's always back and forth. And it's been a good few months since we've checked in with the New York scene. What's it looking like right now heading into the New Year? Because New York is really infamous for intimate clubs where you're right there. You're in these small, intimate spaces. The audience is right there in this setting with you. Obviously not the most conducive to COVID. Definitely nothing like that is happening in Toronto right now. So what's New York actually looking like right now in this new year? Uh, I, the way I've been seeing shows here is just that people are asking for a proof of vaccination. And then that's it. And then everything. That's it. And then everybody gets Omicron. That's that's it. <laughs> what a novel idea! So you mean yeah. if you just ask people to do that and keep things open, exactly, the economy will survive. What a what a wow! But, what a bolt of but lightning! Let me, let, but let me tell you, the end of December, there were so many comics with uh, Omicron that got COVID that a lot yeah. of shows were canceled. But. Uh, yeah, I think like I, I'm, I'm one of the only comics that I know that didn't never got COVID. And I think I'm the chosen one, honestly. I think it's partly because, and for those of our listeners who haven't had a chance to watch or listen to your material yet, I think part of that is because of your onstage persona. Omicron is just actually scared of you, probably. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> like, I'm not messing with Latin Americans. They're too crazy. 
<laughs> you really do. And it is funny. I always was curious about that with you. I mean, because when people watch you live, especially in a New York club where it is that intimate setting and it's that proper, you know, the lights go down, the comic is right there, feet away. You are an absolute bolt of energy when you're on stage. You are such an extreme persona, such an exaggerated sort of character of yourself. You really have that kind of material where you go in and you grab the audience by the throat. Like it's, they don't even have a chance to sort of read the vibe or read the tone or even prejudge you. It's like you go in and you just grab them and it's sort of just nonstop to the jugular until the second you get off stage. How much of a different thing is that from you in real life? Oh, I think in real life I used to, like I, I used to be like that and, and <laughs> I, but I don't wanna be in jail. So <laughs> but actually like, but you know, like my, my story, my life story, like I, I, I grew up like in a really uh, tough uh, neighborhood and city and you know, and and I, I had to learn like how to be uh, civilized with people, you know, and not actually talk to people like they are not trying to kill me. Uh, but but yeah, but I think like I'm not that intense in life anymore. I used to be though. Well, I think it points to the fact too. I mean, just obviously you're a natural born performer, you're a natural born comic, but it points to the fact that you have that writer's brain too, because you're sort of you do have this unique backstory and you're tapping into that. And I mean. I know when we were all watching you here in Canada, we all went like, what the heck just hit us? Like you have such a unique voice and such a unique stage presence. The one thing I was curious about though, because New York is notorious for being, you know, it's a stand-up town. It's not like LA, people go to LA because they don't care what they do. They just want to be famous and be seen. New York is a diehard, it's in the blood, stand-up town. And it can be very cutthroat because you have these clubs that are these sort of cult places and your people are fighting tooth and nail to get on the lineups because you could walk into the cellar at any given time and, you know, be in a lineup with 20 famous comics. And people always talk about how competitive and cutthroat it is. What did you find it like going into that scene? Because Toronto is, of course, sort of, you know, New York light. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, I think that the scene has changed because of the pandemic. And I've been here before doing shows. I had been here twice before moving here, doing shows in 2018 was the last time I, I was here for two weeks doing shows. Yeah. And I noticed, I can notice that the, the, the scene changed a lot. A lot of comics left. Uh, there's, there's less rooms. Uh, there's less comic, but there's also less rooms. And it changed a little bit, but I do, uh, I do, that the comics because it is more competitive the comics are more focused on what they're doing so uh i think like sometimes there's some hangout and you know like people are nice generally and i don't just until now i didn't feel that any anyone was like bad or anything like like that you know what i mean and I do think, I mean, you kind of pointed to it there. I do, you know, a, a lot of comics all over North America have been saying this this past year, but COVID in a way sort of like made things more of a community because comedy is yeah. such a competitive thing. I mean, everybody's sort of going after the same gigs and stuff. COVID sort of dulled that a little bit because a lot of comics just looked at it as, okay, we're all stuck in this thing now. Our, our whole industry is in the same position now. Let's put that aside kind of and just sort of, be more communal with each other. Uh, but I want to come back. We're going to talk about your new album uh, and find out 
what this move to New York has been like and what you see happening in the year ahead in comedy. We're going to come back with more Carol right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name's Graham Kay, and you are listening to Inside Jokes 640. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are talking New York comedy. We have one of our own who made the move to New York. Carol Zoccoli is down there. What I mean, Carol, before the break, you were talking about how welcoming the New York scene was. Because again, yes, COVID changed things, but New York was notorious for being sort of, I mean, people hear about pay to play spots at clubs oh, there yeah. you're literally it yeah, it yeah. exists still right where you're paying to do like five minutes of stage time i feel though like you kind of had in a lot of ways you had an edge over other canadian comics who make that move because a lot of comics in canada they work their way up to the top of the top of the scene and they make their move to new york or to la and they have their visa and they have their festival credits and all that and a lot of them get kind of shell-shocked at first because they go there and they realize i'm kind of starting over Nobody here really knows or cares what the Halifax Comedy Festival is. Nobody cares that I was on this TV show. Now I'm just hitting open mics again. You already did that once, though, when you were here in Toronto. And there was kind of a bias about you because a lot of comics would watch you on stage and they go, whoa, where did this brand new open micer come from? <laughs> this, this person is insanely good because nobody realized you were already at this for a long while. You uh, back home before you made the move to Canada, you already did that jump once. You already had TV credits and festival credits. You were already a pretty experienced comic by the time you came here. So did you feel like that sort of made the jump to New York kind of easier cuz you've already uh -huh. done this before? I, I think it make it made it harder because because as you said be, but when I arrived in Toronto, my my English was so basic. I didn't I didn't actually I my English was very bad. So I I was starting speaking English at the same time. So that was harder. I avoided coming to, to the U. I didn't want to come. I tried, I tried to do whatever I could to make it work in Canada, you know, before uh, taking the decision to come. Because as you said, like, we got to start over. Yeah. Start over. And that's really, it, it's really hard. And you, you never know if you're living what you already have and then you're gonna lose what you already had because you left and you're never gonna make it, you know? So it's very, it's nerve wracking, right? It's so you, you, it, yeah. I mean, and it's a big, was that always the goal for you? Like even coming up in Brazil and I mean, you had some credits to your name and you were, you were starting to get known there. Was it like, okay, I'm eventually going to go to New York or go to the States or were you at first just thinking Canada? Like what made you made that jump first off? Yeah, no, when I moved to Canada, when I started my immigration process to Canada, I didn't even do comedy at the time. It was so long ago. And yeah. my process took a, took, a, took a while. And when, when I got my visa, uh, I was already making money as a comic in Brazil. And I was like, I'm not going to leave. But, but then in 2013, if I didn't go, I would lose my, my, my entire my, my visa. And then I thought, my God, I invested so much money and there's so many years in this immigration. I, I'm going to go. 
but I thought that I would go and I would stay like for a year, year and a half. And I, and I thought that I would come back because I was like, it's not possible. I don't even speak English. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm just, so I was just thinking about learning. So I took a lot of classes, improv classes, catch classes, writing classes, acting, I, I, all of the classes I took. And I was watching a bunch of uh, comedy. So at first I was thinking more about learning. And then after a year, a year and a half, I understood, oh, it's gonna be hard, but it's possible. And then of course I prefer to live in Canada than in Brazil. So <laughs> I, I, I wanna be good. But it took me like two years, two years and a half to realize that the Canadian comics don't make any money. That's that right. That was a surprise. That, I was, <laughs> yeah. Because the comics are so good. I was like, how come? Like, I was so shocked. <laughs> Even Canadian comics don't realize that. Even though it's kind of what we do in this country, you watch comics all the time, move to Toronto from like, you know, Ottawa or Halifax or something. And they're used to doing like a couple of paid club spots every week. And then they come to Toronto and it's a hard reality where they're like, I'm... Now I'm just waiting to do five minutes in front of other comics at three in the morning for free. Exactly. <laughs> and there's like five people there that don't care. So it is sort of a reset even there. For you, I mean, coming up from Brazil, what's the influences there for you for comedy? Because here in Canada, it's like, obviously we have the States next door. We're inundated with all that stuff. British influence is huge here. We grew up with a lot of that comedy. Was it the same for you in Brazil? Like who, who did you come up watching there and go, okay, that's, I want to do that. These are my influences. Yeah, so we didn't have, when I started doing stand-up comedy there, stand-up was starting as a genre there. So, uh, uh, so I didn't, I didn't have, because before in Brazil, we had like this big, big characters, but like, just like uh, jokes, like dad jokes, not, we didn't have actually like written kind of type of comedy. So then a couple of people started doing stand-up comedy. And when I heard that there was this type of comedy that the comedian writes their own material, I was so interested in that. And so I was, I, I wrote five minutes. I asked to do in a bar and I started doing like that. And, and that, that was it. But, but I remember like, so the first, for me to write a joke. So I was like, what is a stand-up comedy? So I Google it and I bought a book like how to write a joke like it was a like <laughs> like a for comedy bible. No, yeah a comedy bible from judy carter oh, okay comedy, comedy bible yeah it took me three months to read the the book because it was in english my english was like so basic i had like a dictionary like besides me it took me three months but i learned how to write a joke so i wrote like five minutes and i started that's how i started it is pretty crazy to be able to be at, you know, in a scene like that where you're there just for the birth of it. I mean, on this show over the years, we've talked to comics who have gone to bizarre, like Singapore. Singapore, in the last few years, Stand It became a thing there. And now there's like clubs and comics from all over the world. So it's interesting to see these places where Stand Up is still like a brand new form, really. Do you think that, and I know we have a new album to get to for you as well, but I'm curious for you. I mean, so much of your comedy comes from really from hardship <laughs> and I think that's why your material is just like this tough persona where you you know you don't appear tough obviously but then you like rip into the audience and you're talking about all the stuff that you've had to sort of come up in and survive I think a lot of comics are going to have a hard time wrapping their heads around the pandemic and trying to figure out how to turn this whole bizarre thing into material do you think this will like shape your new material at all because you're kind of used to already taking a bad scene <laughs> and turning it into gold really 
Yeah. You know what I what have been noticing? And that that's for me, but that's for other comics too. After the pandemic, I think we're we're more real. Like we want to talk yeah. about like real things. We don't want to shit anymore. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, what I've, I've been writing a lot, and I, I'm just I'm just I want I just want to share more. I just want to tell my story. So that's what I've been focusing on, like how to translate um, my story from one like who grew up in Brazil. Uh, to the, this American audience. Well, how can I translate? How can I bring, and how can I make this, my story interesting or relatable, you know? So that's what I've been working towards because, yeah, I think that's, that, that's what I want to talk about right now. I think it gives you a different edge too because a lot of Canadian comics that make that move, it's sort of been done to death at this point. I mean, New York audiences and American audiences are, at this point are very used to Canadian comics going there and talking about how, wow, things are way different in Vancouver than they are here in America. Like people have heard this for decades. Comics have been leaning on that for decades. For you, you're like one step removed. You're talking about a background that none of us are familiar with and, and none of us come from. So to us, it's like this completely exciting, fresh, new thing. And I think that's the beauty of it is you become sort of this global performer and this broad reaching performer because you can go to Toronto or you can go to New York or LA or, the UK or wherever, and you're going to sort of be this fresh new voice kind of wherever you go, realistically. Yeah. Do you yeah, think, hopefully. <laughs> do you think New York would always be home for the next while because of that? I mean, we were talking on the show this past year about all these new scenes that are kind of popping up out of nowhere. I mean, one that keeps coming up is Austin, Texas. Yeah. used to be just known as a music town all of a sudden these last couple of years especially during the pandemic now it has it's like blowing up as a stand-up scene and a lot of comics are making the move there so for you do you see yourself as a comic that's always going to sort of jump around and just sort of go with the flow or do you want to have like a home base and put down roots now i would love to stay here in new york for a while especially because you know like like moving all the time it's not i don't like that very much it's not good yeah. <laughs> it's not good at all. I don't like it. But uh, yeah, but I'm gonna try to stay here for for a while for sure. <laughs> and I mean, if you can make it on the New York scene, especially now when things are kind of resetting, I mean, a lot of it's like anything else right now. There are going to be comics who sort of just don't come back after all this, right? Because they go, "Well, yeah. I lost too many gigs. I couldn't stick it out. It is what it is. I'm moving on with my life." So it's really going to be sort of a proving ground for comics where it's like, okay sort of the serious diehard yeah. people who really it's like in their blood and they couldn't really do anything else. That's going to be, who's going to, going to stick it out. Uh, but I do want to get to, so that we don't, you know, we could spend hours talking to you about all the comics who died this year <laughs> and who influenced you and have what New York is like. Uh, I, I do want to get into this new album though. So what's a little bit about what this new album's all about and some of the stuff you're tackling there. Yeah. So this album is called legal. And I wanted to tape it before moving to the U.S., but I, I moved here in the middle of the pandemic, so I couldn't tape it. Uh, so I taped it last November, and I talk about like my recent re citizenship, my Canadian citizenship. I talk about being an immigrant in Canada, and it's it's really a Canadian album, right? Um, yeah. So I talk basically. I talk about being an immigrant and some. You know, some stuff about my life, too. And was this for you always a thing? I mean, that's been a debate 
really in the last couple of years too, because everybody's putting stuff out and streaming albums and, you know, there's indie labels popping up all over the place. There was always sort of those old school comics who always said, no, you have to be, you know, 20 years in the game before you even think about doing an album for you. Was this the album that you had in your head that you wanted to get to at some point? Like, was this always sort of a goal on the list for you, this exact sort of set of material? Yeah, I think I, I, I don't think like the exact, the, this exactly set of material, because I think we never think that is that it is what it is. And especially because, um, uh, well, I taped in the middle of the pandemic, right? So yeah. it, it, it is, there's, there's some, you know, it's hard, but, um, but I'm, I'm really happy with, like, I think that I, that it was an expression, true expression of what I lived in Canada. I, I think it, I, I did it. <laughs> and this was taped, so you said during the pandemic, so you did, you taped it in New York? I taped it in Toronto in, back in November. And where, where did you, where did you do it here in Toronto? At Comedy Bar. At Comedy Bar, okay, because that's really the closest things we do have in Toronto when things are open <laughs> yeah. to those sort of to those true true New York clubs is really yeah the cab space at comedy bar a lot of audiences know uh the corner comedy club we were talking to them a few weeks ago so really I mean that's the space that you want for an album recording like that you want to be right there in the room yeah. tight with people and have that sort of ambience uh Carol before we let you go where can people get this album legal and find all of your stuff online well, uh, everywhere, uh, Apple <laughs> TV, Apple TV, no, Apple Music, I don't even know, uh, like Spotify, everything, everywhere you can find like audio, my album is going to be there. And more information about, about me on my website, uh, www.carolzockley.com. There we go, carolzockley.com. Check out that new album. Uh, we're so glad to hear that you're working and staying busy and also sane in New York. And thank you, New York, for having live shows still. I hope we get back to that here because it was like a month ago and everything changed again. Carol, thank you so much. Uh, we'll pump that album and stay safe. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Hi, this is Frank Spadone, and when my wife's not breaking my silver balls, uh, we're listening to uh, Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, and of course, coast to coast on the Global News Radio Network, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical helping you stay six feet apart from everyone you know and love. Thank you again to Carol Zoccoli in New York, where live shows are happening. Audiences go into comedy clubs and watch comedians do their job in real time, in person. Imagine what a concept that is, especially for us here in Ontario. Now we're flipping over to the West Coast. We're checking in with the Alberta comedy scene. We've got Todd Ness out in Calgary. Todd, right away, you know, we're based here in Toronto. We, of course, as everyone knows, the, the rolling cloud of doom finally swept over from Montreal and, and hit us. And of course, now everything's closed here. Literally a month ago on this show, we were wrapping up the year by going, things are great. Everything's sold out shows. Comedy bar is so busy, they have to open a second one. And then a month later, no, it's all locked up again. What's What are things like out in Calgary? Is there that sense that like, it's the free land out there and it's the road 
we're capital of Canada and nothing's going to change? Or do you guys have this sense of foreboding? Like, what if it happens to us? No, we're free. We beat it. We beat it. You guys just still dealing with this? We beat it. COVID's done. It is kind of crazy because like, yes, there were times when, you know, we'd check in with comics in Calgary and Alberta. And like I said, I mean, Alberta, that's like the holy land of road work in Canada. You hit those circuits where it's like casinos and club gigs and all that. It's yeah. fantastic for doing road gigs out there. There were a couple of times where things were locked down temporarily, but for the most part, for the last two years on this show, whenever we talk to Alberta comics, they're like, no, we're good. There's like a plexiglass thing sometimes or people are wearing masks, but that's kind of it. We're still doing jokes in front of human beings and not on a Zoom screen. What I do. You, so you're pretty confident <laughs> like there will still continue to be clubs and all that. Because in Ontario, at this point, we honestly, Todd, we have no idea. It's like every two weeks, everything changes. We don't know at this point. I thought we 2020 was done. I thought we beat it. <laughs> No, you know what? In all seriousness, we are, we're sort of half and half. So we have right yeah. now, we still have stuff open, but a lot of that road, those road shows and gigs are not back yet. So we've seen a lot of shows go away and not come back. So it's not like everything's completely back to what it was, you know, pre pandemic out here, but it definitely, I, we're not like you guys though. We definitely like the clubs are still open. There's still private shows are still going on. And yeah, I, some of the clubs, literally, they were hanging like windshields at the front of the stage. <laughs> Somehow that was, you were allowed to perform. It was, it was hilarious for a bit. I do think it's because real, like no one at the end of the day really knows what to do. I think they're just kind of trying stuff and guessing, or at least that's how it feels. So it's like, yeah, no one could get this disease as long as they only tell jokes until 11 p.m. But after 11 p.m., COVID automatically gets you. Like, it's like they're just figuring this out daily and just rolling with it, you know? Oh, for real. And we've had to do this. I don't know if you guys have to do this out there. We were putting for a while, like, little, um, it was almost like a condom on the microphone. We were doing that for a bit. <laughs> it was like a shower cap on the microphone, which, shout out to whoever even invented that. Because he's been sitting on that for years, not being able to yeah. sell any of them. And finally, you know, his dream has come true. He's able to sell these things. So we were, yeah. It was a weird time for a bit. We were putting covers on the mics. We're hanging glass. You had to wear, at one point you had to put your mask on, walk up to stage, then you could take it off, put it back on. But now we beat it now. We're free. We do what we want. Well, I mean, you're, of course, you're a club comic. You work with Yuck Yucks. They're still, again, they're, they're kind of closed in some places and open in others. But you guys are still doing shows out there. Do you think after all of this, after all the dust settles, and I mean, we've been saying that for two seasons now, so who knows? I think... Maybe there will be a third year of this. We have no idea. But do you think once all this stuff finally does come to pass, is Alberta really kind of the last place in Canada that's sort of like, it's sort of like a bygone era. It's that old school comedian road dog thing. I mean, everybody in Canada used to do that. Everybody used to do the Ron James method of like, okay, I'm going to go from Halifax to Toronto or whatever. I'm going to pound the pavement. It's a huge country. And I'm going to build this thing one small town at a time. I think a lot of comics in cities like Toronto and Montreal have kind of just looked at it these last couple of years and went, screw it. I got like three clubs I'll play in my city. The rest of the time, I'm just going to put out stuff on the internet and keep pumping albums out. Is Alberta really sort of the last like road work holy land? Yeah, I would say the West in general. Like Alberta, we've got all these little towns that want to do shows because they all have an arena. Every single town has an arena somehow throughout Canada. It doesn't matter if there's four people living there. They all have a rank and they want to do comedy in there. 
So I think uh, Alberta's like that. Saskatchewan is a little bit like that, and even BC. So it's, I would say the West in general, you know, like you said, once the dust settles, we'll see how many of those shows come back. But I'll tell you, back in the day, it was like there was there must have been dozens all over the place, just little towns, little shows all over. And you, yeah. could, you could just drive around, you get in your car, and you just drive for hours and hours. You do a show, you drive the next day for hours, you do a show, and you could. You could get lost out there. And one of the great things about it, I mean, doing those doing those towns out west and doing that road work is, yeah, you'd go to these towns where, the, you know, stand-up comedy isn't a thing. And you go to these towns and it's like, you're like a traveling road show. You roll in there, you do a show, and people are so appreciative. They just swarm you after the show and they're like, thank you for coming to our town. And it's such a live, exciting event for them. And it sort of pumps you up as a comic. I think we're sort of seeing that everywhere now in Canadian comedy again because people are so thirsty for just live shows again there's this whole other level of appreciation for it and things are selling out because of that yeah like every especially when we opened back up uh the first few shows I did especially in the club had one of the best vibes I've ever experienced in all my years of doing comedy because like you said everyone was just so grateful and appreciative to be back in a live venue be watching live entertainment um so that was one of the upsides of everything you know when it opened back up people were so gracious to be back watching comedy it was it was amazing yeah, yeah. that is true uh i also want to pick your brain on you know not that we we, we want to go to a brighter topic than covid but unfortunately that topic is all the people who died <laughs> this year piles and piles of dead comedians i do want to pick your brain on some of these giants we've lost this year and really sadly some of our own heroes here in Canada but we're going to come back with more Todd Ness out in Calgary right here on Inside Jokes Hey this is Roddy Colmer and Jay Brody and you are listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are talking Calgary comedy with Todd Ness, who, of course, regular at Yuck Yucks out there, regular on the road, because um, that's a part of the country where live comedy is still a thing right now, <laughs> which we, we, we've been so jealous of Alberta and BC for like the last year and a half, really. Um, but it, I mean... It's great to see. I mean, in Vancouver, they're pumping out comedy albums nonstop over at 604 and comedy here often. Everybody we talk to in Alberta and Calgary and Edmonton, they're all like, yeah, I'm working and touring. So it is great to see. It's nice to see that this isn't happening everywhere. Uh, Todd, I mean, it was, you know, difficult couple of years for comedy. Obviously, the industry kind of went on pause and got level and comics sort of had to figure out their way around all this stuff and how to sort of build new platforms and and all that. Um, We've also lost... I mean, the past few months alone, we've also lost some really huge icons in comedy. We were talking about that earlier in the show. I mean, of course, Norm Macdonald was a complete shell shock. Nobody saw that coming. That was a huge heartbreak for all all comics, but especially, of course, here at home in Canada. Uh, Betty White, again, that was just sort of like a gut punch where it was like, really? Couldn't, he, couldn't make it to 100? We were almost there. It was just like another F.U. from the year, basically. 
Um, and even this week alone, Bob Saget this past week passed away, another sort of huge shock. And here in Canada, I mean, we've lost Matt Billen. I know a lot of comics in this country toured and worked with Matt over the years, especially out West. For you, I mean, how sort of, you know, when you're when you're looking at a time when comedy's sort of all over the place and up in the air, it's like when you start seeing some of your own personal influences pass on and, and sometimes people you work with, how much of a sort of demoralizing thing is that? Or do you think it's sort of, makes comics go like, I really have to pour my heart and soul into this and sort of do it out of respect to these people. Yeah, I mean, the, the other one I'll mention too is Andrew Albert. We also lost him. Yeah, this year. absolutely. Uh, and he had a footprint, I mean, across the whole country, right? Like there wasn't, there's not a comic I know that wasn't um, impacted by him in their career. So, you know, there's, there's two sadnesses when you see a comic pass and part of it is, you know, just, you know, you realize you're never going to be able to work with that person. Yeah. Um, again you're never going to be able to do a show with them and that's kind of the comedian's bond and then also just as a person right like it's really it's sad um but the thing that i've learned is you really find out after the fact how you know certain comics the contributions they've made to the community and you'll see it the outpouring of support and there's so much stuff i mean especially you know andrew albert the things that he did behind the scenes that no one even knew about and then you find out you know, unfortunately, after he passes, how much, how selfless he was. And it's, it's the common trait. A lot of people think that comedy is, you know, sort of, I don't know, we tear each other down or we're, because we are competitive. But what's nice to see is actually how much support there is, um, especially in Canada. And it really, I mean, and it's really been the last few years. I mean, pre-pandemic and even, I mean, of course, you know, the late, great Mike McDonald, Joanna Downey, who was like the godmother of Toronto comedy, Andre Aruda, Josh Haddon. I mean, you know, it's really the last few years. It feels like a long list. And I mean, you're absolutely right. Cause in Canadian comedy, especially it's such a small village. Everybody yeah. is like, you know, one Kevin Bacon removed from each other. So it's like you either know of this person or you worked intimately with them. You've shared a hotel at some point or a ride for three hours to a crappy gig somewhere. Or like, you know, these are just the people you hang out with in the green rooms. These are like-minded people it really is the island of misfit toys so when i think you say goodbye to one of our own it's like i think especially in canada where the industry is the size that it is it's like ooh, you extra feel that pinch you know oh absolutely and, and comedy is such a weird thing where there's it feels like there's a lot of people that do it but that's only because we're always around comedians but when you yeah. really think about it, there's not that many people it's that's it's a small group of like you said i guess misfits or whoever is crazy enough to try and do it and so yeah, when you, anytime we lose another comic, there's, it's just, you know, it's an absolute, it's a tragedy, really. And I mean, you know, speaking even to the whole, you know, the fact that comedy is, is, it's such a lifestyle gig. It's such a weird, like, when you decide to do this with your life, it's like a, that's kind of it. You're going to be on the road. You're going to be working weird holidays. You're going to be spending your nights in clubs and bars and pubs and all this stuff. And it's such a, all-consuming thing because it's hardwired into your brain it's like no matter what you go you're always sort of thinking material and you're always sort of at that same hustle for you has this pandemic sort of slowed things down or has it made you look at comedy in a different way or is it just sort of like no nah, i'm waiting for this to pass and it's going to be more more of the same yeah it's sort of i just had to shift my focus you know because i think before the pandemic it's like i was gone every single weekend i would be somewhere performing and then it's like the brakes just got thrown on and all of a sudden I'm not traveling anywhere, right? Yeah. For at least a year. So that was a crazy shift. So at first I was like, let's just wait it out. Then we realized it was going to be longer than two weeks somehow. Um, and then I realized yes. <laughs> that, 
you have to shift your focus into what can you do when you couldn't perform live. It's like, all right, where do I put my energy uh, podcast? That's what I can focus on doing videos for social media, trying to reach as many people as possible. And even as hard as it is when you're not performing to write material, that's just another area that when you are traveling, ironically, when you're doing comedy almost too much, you yeah. actually run out of time to write because so yeah, there's, you know, there's pros and obviously there's pros and cons either way. But I think, yeah, to me, I've just shifted my focus on, all right, what can I do now? And with the, the hope that someday if the world doesn't end, we will be back to what it was before. Right? <laughs> Doing what we do. I think that's so true. It's such a catch 22 though. Uh, Todd, before we let you go, cause we could talk this stuff all day. Uh, where can people find you online? Any podcasts, albums, your social, anywhere we can find you while we are all stuck at home. Find me on Instagram, Todd M. Ness. Uh, I have an album that's everywhere called Working Comic. And I have a podcast that I do every single week called Nessin' Around. And that's on everything. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to it. I love that, by the way, Nessin' Around. That's perfect. Uh, it's good to hear that things are thriving out there, man, considering these strange times we live in. Uh, and picking your brain a bit on what some of these comics meant to you. Todd? Keep working, man. It's great to see it, at least in half of the country. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe. And again, we'll plug all this stuff for you coming up. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. That is our show. Thank you again to Carol Zockley out in New York. And of course, here in Western Canada, Todd Ness in Alberta. Don't forget, you can listen to all of our shows on Global News Online right back to the beginning. That's our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi. And you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. This week's Comedy Rx features Carol Zoccoli. Thank you. Very happy to be here, folks. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm from Brazil, guys. Any immigrants in the room? Immigrants? Join together. Yeah, great, great. Any immigration officers in the room? Oh, bad. Good, good. Still good. Folks, I recently became a Canadian citizen. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm not illegal. I'm unlawful. It's different. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a Canadian citizenship ceremony, but you have to go there. Then there's a picture of the Queen of England. <laughs> then you have to say, hey, Queen, I love you. And I respect you. And you are my queen now, Elizabeth. F*** you, Beyonce. <laughs> You have to say those words, and they give you the papers. That's how you become a Canadian citizen.